The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on! On this episode of the Heat Check, <laughs> trying to turn the music down, we look at the final ramifications from trade deadline day, including a deep dive on why the Knicks couldn't make any deals done at the deadline when they had every single player available on the trade block. It's very strange. And uh, we also talk about talk about more things going on that are strange in New York City. We talk about Kyrie's response to the Harden trade. We all wanted to know, would Kyrie feel any feelings about maybe contrition, about Harden bolting town only 16 games into their trio? Well, I bet you can only imagine what he had to say, but we will get into that. And finally, we talk about the Lakers. It's a heavy hitter, dysfunctional show. Uh, organizational, quote-unquote, malpractice that is happening right now in Lakerland. So, Brock, we have no time to waste. Let's drop that beat. Cause I may be bad, but I'm perfectly good at it. Sex in the air, I don't care, I love the smell of it. Six may break my bones, but she's Imagine, for a second, you move into a new apartment, right? buy a bunch of furniture and you kind of do it in a rush got to move in you don't have a ton you got a couple of things but you piece it together trying to do it on somewhat of a budget you pay a lot for certain items and then you skimp on others and then you move all in and like six months later eight months later you look around your apartment and you're like This shit does not, this is the feng shui of my place is not vibing. Uh, These items do not fit together well at all. I've got a coffee table, too big for my couch. I've got a rug, doesn't even quite fit into the room right. My entryway shelving, I thought was going to be all clean lines now. The coats are everywhere. You don't even get to see the clean lines of this design within reach item that I spent like $600 for. <laughs> Everything else is kind of schlocky. You went to Ikea to get the rest because you couldn't afford everything being top dollar. So you hold a garage sale. And you're like, everything in here can go. I'm not wedded to a goddamn thing. I'm ready to start fresh. Listen, I can work around a couch. I know I can work around an end table. But this whole setup, I just know there's something not right about this setup. And then you get some people 
peeking in the window, they touch your stuff, they're chatting, and the end of the garage sale ends. You look around, and nothing is gone. <laughs> nothing. Nobody wants your shit. No one. No matter what. Like, what? You got some offers, folks, for that particle board IKEA table that you paid $325 for and you knew it wasn't a great pot price, but you couldn't spend 700 on one. So you just kind of get something. It's particle board, right? Nobody's going to spend $325, $300, what you spent $350 on. It's particle board. Buyers, in some of your stuff, they want you to pay them to haul it away. Like, uh, listen, uh, this isn't fucking Goodwill, YMCA, March of Dimes. You're going to need to give me $50 to haul that piece of shit out the dough. That right now, folks, is the New York Knicks. A week before trade deadline, there was no one more active than the New York Knicks. They were trying to get everybody. They went after C.J. McCollum. They went after Norm Powell. They went after Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes. They went after Jalen Brunson. They went after Terrence Ross, the Orlando Magic. Even Miles Turner, the injured star. You would think that they would have learned their lesson given the fact that they have Mitchell Robinson who also has foot issues. But nothing. And not a thing happened. Even after the team, even after you saw New York Post, everyone's available, (laughs) everyone's gettable on the New York Knicks. Even Julius Randle, the $800 entryway piece from Design Within Reach, he is even available for the right price. No one wanted your stuff. Zero people wanted your stuff. (laughs) Folks, if you are ready to get rid of all the furniture and reshuffle, rebuy, figure out, maybe do a little swaparoo, that is not a team confident about their current roster. That is not someone who's happy with the setup of their apartment. Facts. Mitchell Robinson, unrestricted free agent this summer. He's asking out. He's basically signaled to your team, he's not re-signing. You have shopped him around because you know you will get nothing for him if you don't move him now. You look around and even he is not traded. (laughs) What gives? What gives? What is the mindset of the New York Knicks right now? I don't know. But here's what the New York Post, my man Mark Berman, is saying. Being sellers and dumping players just to open up summer cap space was considered, but then scrapped, (laughs) a.k.a. garage sale. And this offseason will now stand as one of the most important ones in franchise history. That's a little much, don't you think? That's a bit of a hyperbole, but you know how these New Yorkers are. You know, everything's the fucking end of the world. The most important offseason in history. We'll see. Poor Tibbs, though. Tibbs, Tibbs. They do him wrong. They do him so dirty. Here's what he had to say about it. The fact that he even needs to answer any trade questions as a head coach. Listen, I'm not the GM here, okay? This is what he said. We already made a trade earlier on Cam Reddish. Excuse me. Pause. Do not. He was a part, he was the random 
little uh, ottoman you picked up off the street and you realize very quickly did not fit. Uh, let me just throw this thing back outside. This business this shit is got mold inside. I'm not sure about this. You tr- they tried to flip them like that. They literally just got them and they tried to flip them immediately. Did not work. He said, that's part of it. You look at your trade possibilities, free agents, Leon Rose, Wes, Scott Perry. They look at this in, in totality. He wants to keep his job so bad. It's ongoing. It doesn't end. It's every day. Thinking about how we can improve this team. Propaganda. There's short-term planning, long-term planning, and you're always consistently, constantly looking at both. That's Leon's job. He'll continue to look. There's always possibilities. <laughs> Is there? Different ways you can improve the club. And I trust him. <laughs> I don't know that he said it quite like that, but that's the most optimistic quote. Uh, reread. Uh, sounds like they are looking right now at the buyout market. Because the Knicks... Just finished a, getting a ro- open roster spot filled, but they still can waive my man, Kemba Walker. Kemba might be in line for a buyout. He is also on sad boy season. This is what he said. Yeah, I'm here. Like I said, I mean, what can I do? It's not up to me. I'm just a player. I don't make those decisions or anything like that. So, yeah, I want to be there. That's why I came here, to be a part of my home team. But it's not really my decision. Oh, uh, that feels like a change of tone. Does not seem like he's skewing optimistic. We'll say that. To say that Kem is not a part of the problem would be not true. Not true. He started out bad. Uh, then he got benched, and then he got better, and then he got worse again. Right now, Kemba has shot... I can't even believe what I'm looking at. Right now, Kemba has shot 28.6% uh, from the field in the last seven games. Yikes. I tell you, let me say it again for the folks in the back who aren't quite processing this. Right now, Kemba Walker... New York legend is shooting 28.6% from the field. Not from three, not from 25, 35 feet out. I mean, including like right underneath the basket to whatever the furthest distance is that he shot. All of those together combined on average, 28.6%, under 30% in totality. Bad. We've already talked about Julius Randle's season, uh, that he only seems to ball out on nationally televised games. We've also noted, uh, when I was talking about the coffee table made out of particle board when you could have spent another two, $300 on solid wood, that analogy was Evan Fournier. Mm. He is the particle board coffee table boy. He is a model of inconsistency. You you only get one move with them. Like, you know those coffee tables? You know you've got one 
move. Probably the move from the Ikea to that apartment and nothing else. Not the Ikea, set it up, build it, put it in storage, put it into a new... No, that's Evan Fournier. And that one move was in Tokyo. Literally, that was his best version, was the first place, Tokyo. You took it from Tokyo to New York and you thought that baby was going to hold your feet up when you watched the TV? That shit folded quick. (laughs) Sheesh. In his last 14 games, Evan Fournier has scored anywhere from four points to 30 points, including five games of 20 or more, good, and five games under 10, bad. The only trade the Knicks made was, again, for my guy Cam Reddish, a.k.a. the poof that you got on the side of the road realized really quick wasn't quite the decor you thought it might be when it was free. (laughs) Same guy who left Atlanta uh, is averaging 12 minutes and 5 points per game during his 11-game stint. He has seen four DNPs. Tibbs is reportedly not a fan. Reddish has actually been pretty good. He played pretty well when they beat the Golden State Warriors. They did go on the road. They played five games on the road. They only won one. And that was the game Cam Reddish balled out, played like 17, 19 minutes, had a bunch of points off the bench. Apparently they tried to trade Cam Reddish for Jalen Brunson. If you thought you were going to trade a poof off the side of the road for a a mid-century modern cocktail table from like the early 1950s, a renaissance piece that is peaking right now, 70 years after. Like Jalen Brunson is an American original. Jalen Brunson is one of the better role player point guards in this league. Cam Reddish is getting DMPs, okay? Poof off the street. Mid-century modern end table. To me, this feels like the Knicks, after being the darlings of last year, are at what we would call a fork in the road. It's not just me saying it, obviously. Mark Berman, as I said, calls this offseason the most important in franchise history. (laughs) Could it have something to do with a very unhappy fat player living in New Orleans? currently rehabbing his foot in Portland. We don't even need to say his name. You know who I'm talking about. I mean, it's Zion. I mean, this team is already basically the Kentucky East with five UK Wildcats on it. Five. Kevin Knox, Julius Randle, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, didn't know he was on there, Nerlens Noel, and Emmanuel Quickly. This could also become... The Duke Blue Devils team with Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, and Zion, 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 Zion. I don't know. I don't know, man. The Knicks are apparently still aiming for the playoffs, sort of aiming for the play-in, despite being seven games under five hundred, two and a half back. Two and a half back of the 10 seed. Yikes. This seems like a team that really should just say take it all. We've got uh, a generational piece here if we go ahead and tank. Paolo Bancaro's right around the corner. Chet Holmgren right around the corner. Jabari Smith right around the corner. I don't know. It's going to take a lot for the Knicks to resurrect their season, I tell you what. But you know what? 
they did go on a one and four West Coast road trip, and that one win. I'm pushing P. I'm trying. I'm trying to find the sun in the gray clouds and beating the Warriors. If you're going to win one out of five games, make it against the team that has the third best odds to win the title. You know what I'm saying? Hope springs eternal for the Knickerbockers. And then, and then they did. That's what they did. That Sean Marks traded Harden to Philly. She would probably leave. Harden's for Simmons trade is in the books now. As the dust settles, there's like a zillion questions that I have. A zillion. Let's just look at two. First of all, we thought in the beginning of this trade that Harden signed a player opt-in which would give the Philadelphia Sixers this season and next season to evaluate whether my man, James Harden, was or was not washed. But apparently, we do not think he's washed. I just want to go on the record. I do not think James Harden is washed. But if I was evaluating him to the point of maybe paying him $60 million a year in seven and five, four years from now, maybe I would be a little less enthusiastic and optimistic as me, the Harden fan that I am, the huge, completely optimistic Harden fan that I am. He did not opt into the player contract, so you got the 25 games and then it's time. Is it marriage? Is it love and marriage? Or is it time to cut your losses and go elsewhere? I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna sign him. Regardless, they paid up too much. That so much has gone on. You had Ben Simmons on the books for the next four years anyway. I mean, he wasn't going to play for you ever. So, who knows? But it is an important detail, nonetheless, that everyone thought that a part of that deal was him opting in, so that you had a, a season and twenty-five games plus this postseason to evaluate. But if you're worried as a Sixer fan that he's going to go somewhere else in free agency, do not be worried at least for about this, because James has got nowhere else to go. He ain't got no place to go. Uh, You've got the Spurs, and you've got the Pistons as the two most likely teams to have cap space this offseason. And I tell you what, if you're James Harden and you push your way out of Houston, you push your way out of Brooklyn, you are not going to be excited about playing with DeJounte Murray or Cade Cunningham. Have you seen Cade Cunningham? I'm not even going to go into Cade Cunningham. But yeah, he ain't got nowhere else to go. The only teams are them. And plus, if he were to go to the Spurs or the Pistons, he would have to sign a deal of four years, $200 million, right? That's a lot of jack. But if he signs with the Sixers, he can sign for five years, $270 million. And let me ask you this. Riddle me this. Do you think if he signs a four-year deal with another team, somehow in that fifth year they're gonna that's gonna be a 70 million dollar one-year deal for James Harden when he's 37 years old no shot there's no shot he makes up that money fascinating stuff just a little wrinkle for folks to think about in terms of how you want to I don't know deal with James Harden long term and vice versa secondly I personally wanted to know what Kyrie Irving had to say about this trade 
I personally thought maybe he would address feeling, I don't know, bad, like sad, like damn, maybe I could have done more. Maybe I could have called him and told him I was looking into vegan vaccines and it might be coming soon. Who knows? Who knows? People were asking Kyrie, Kyrie, what'd you think? What'd you think? I don't know. Like the fact that he's missed most of this year, despite being healthy enough to play, maybe he would have some self-awareness that not being available despite being healthy could have pushed James Harden to a place where he was feeling like that wasn't a situation he wanted to be in. Putting a lot of pressure on James. Pressure that James didn't no longer want, which is why he left Houston to begin with. I don't know. Pressure that Kyrie had the hand on his lever. He could change how much pressure up and down all he wanted. Down pressure, up pressure. And he turned that volume all the way up. No, James. Now that Katie's out, it's all you, all by yourself. You and Peyote Nick Claxton, just you two. No Joe Harris. It's just you and, and old wash Blake Griffin and heart arrhythmia Lamarcus Aldridge and me halftime. So I wanted to know, Kyrie, what do you say? Here's what he had to say. Play your media games with somebody else, bro. Please, I understand that there's a lot going on in the web, and, I, and I'm here as a human being just like you, bro. Please respect my boundaries, man. That's all I'm asking, bro. There's no guilt that I feel. You know, I'm the only player that has to deal with this in New York City because I play there. If I was anywhere else in another city, then it probably wouldn't be the same circumstances. But because I'm there, we have Eric Adams, we have the New York mandate, we have things going on that are real-life circumstances that are not just affecting me, bro. So you ask me these questions, I don't feel guilt. I'm just living my life as best I can, just like everybody else amidst these last two years. You know, I didn't have a plan in place when all this was going on, didn't know. Like I said, the NBA and the MBPA made it very clear that there would be things that I would, that I would be able to do to work around this, and that's off the table. So you tell me if I'm just alone out here, or do I have support from everybody else that's dealing with the same thing? James, James, I'm so glad you got the fuck up out of there. I didn't feel that two hours ago when I first heard that, but what is he talking about? Let's break this down for a second. Kyrie not only feels zero guilt, he decided to go on the offensive on the media member who asked him, do you feel any, anything about the fact that the reason potentially that James Harden left early was because you were not around due to your choices? that you've made that have impacted the team for the to the point where you weren't even around the team at all until they needed you because guys were dropping like flies, so they allowed you to come back for only road games. And you decided, not only do I not feel guilt, how dare you even imply that I should feel guilt? No. This is something that only I have to deal with. Because no other human being has to deal with a pandemic and the decisions that you make by being vaccinated or not vaccinated in the city of New York. Like even intimating that there is a possibility that you were a factor, a determining factor or a catalyst in that decision making. First and foremost, you should acknowledge that. 
Second of all, if you are a catalyst for someone leaving and becoming pissed off because you're not around because you won't get vaccinated to the point where I've come on this show and said James Harden on a, on a press release said, I, I am going to give Kyrie Irving the shot myself in a joking but not really so joking manner to the point where you on those road games that you're so able to play. When you go to Cleveland, you're burning sage in front of him. Like, bad vibes. Get these bad vibes out of here. Like, you're basically trying to burn the COVID away. What the fuck are you talking about? And secondarily, like, boundaries? Excuse me, boundaries. We're literally asking you questions about something that just happened that you are probably directly responsible for. And you're talking about boundaries? Excuse me, what? What about the boundaries that the New York City set in place about trying to keep their people safe when athletes are going into the stadium, whether they're vaccinated or not? What about those boundaries that you don't care to respect? What are we even talking about? He was genuinely outraged. And I didn't care the first, I I heard that like six times. And I was like, oh, Kyrie, you're so funny. And I was like, if I'm James Harden, I'm like, fuck this guy. What does he mean he doesn't feel guilt? He's the reason that I left. We were a trio that went 13-3 and in 16 games. We could have been an unstoppable offensive force when all healthy, add role players that will come here and play for us for nothing. We're chilling. What are you talking? You forced him out. Period. Yes. Was James Harden a bit of a bitch in the way that he left? Yes. Were you responsible for him taking this downturn and his attitude going from, I want to play in Brooklyn. That's the place I want to go. Is reunite with KD, which I was already a little sus about, to play with Kyrie, who I've heard things about. All of us together going in one direction, like a boat, unstoppable. But when we're going in different directions, we're going absolutely nowhere, which is why they went on an eight-game losing streak. Kyrie, perfectly healthy, which he normally never is, decides, you know what, James? It's just you out there. Go ball out, my dog, on the road. I'll see you in Houston. Are you insane? Back in October, Sean Marks said that there would be no contract extension for Kyrie. He signed through next year at $36 million a year. Then maybe we can start talking about boundaries at that point, huh? What if they don't sign him when he's able to be extended? How about the guilt he might be feeling at that point in time? So the three amigos become two amigos, become one amigo, and holy shit, it's just KD out here by himself hoping for Chet Holmgren. What a wild, bizarre ending to a team that could have been fucking electric. And instead, we get this fucking multiverse of madness where we have to think of alternate realities where this three would have been together facing off against Giannis and the Bucks, which they certainly could have won that series. And an alternate scenario where they play the Warriors or the Phoenix Suns in the finals this year. In an alternate reality where everyone's healthy and maybe they win not one, not two, not three. Who knows? Maybe two or three. But instead... We've got the multi-verse of madness with a man who feels nothing about his role 
in getting rid of one of the most prolific scorers and playmakers we've ever seen in this generation. I am fuming. I'm not asking you what like kind of sex toys you play with. I'm asking you whether you feel any emotion who's no longer on the team because of you. Boundary? To kick the truth to the young black youth. Shorties running wild, smoking sex, drinking beer. And ain't trying to hear what I'm kicking in his ear. Neglected for now, but yo, it got to be accepted. That what? The light is hectic. One little last nugget before the trade deadline uh, dealing with the Lakers. My man John Hollinger very deep into the weeds in terms of cap situations, luxury tax situations, how teams run their books, the finance guy. These are assets. These assets get moved around, so you pay less money as a result of what is happening when you're over the salary cap. This is what he said. If the Lakers are going to do anything in the buyout market at all, pause, which is basically where they're at right now because they made no moves, like I said, at the trade deadline, As they claim that they will, their inactivity on minor salary dumps was, quote, borderline organizational malpractice. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. No. Sheesh. What does this mean? Let's break it down. Because this is not something that's really being talked about a ton. This is a very niche basketball situation. Sometimes there are little breadcrumbs that if you pay attention and you put them into a larger context, they give you an idea of where the direction of the franchise is heading, which is what I fucking love to do. So let's do it because I don't get a chance to do it that often. The Lakers had the ability to send some of their players who were doing absolutely nothing away from the team, trade them away. They're just taking up space on the bench. They're on league minimums. You can send them to other teams for cash. It's basically like, take DeAndre Jordan, Kent, take, take Kent Bazemore, for example. So for the Lakers, for example, would have moved DeAndre Jordan, who's had 20 DMPs in the last 24 games, so he's doing nothing. Kent Bazemore, who's had 25 DMPs in the last 39 games. And cash, the Lakers would have saved $8 million in luxury tax payments. That's a shitload of money. And created two small but valuable trade player exceptions. The going rate for this kind of transaction is around a million dollars. And there were many willing partners that were willing to do this deal. So the question that I have is why the Lakers didn't do this deal. No one seems to have an answer. John Hollinger says in his article, he thinks that the Lakers are basically, quote unquote, asleep at the wheel. That's not good. That's troubling because Palinka hasn't had any answers this entire year. His big splashy move for Russell Westbrook, which we talked about a gazillion times, basically crippled this franchise. And most of the smaller moves besides Malik Monk have been somewhere between mediocre and disastrous. And this particular inaction seems very ironic and very odd because the Lakers just threw away $8 million in luxury tax payments or savings, when they could have, when they said this past season that the reason that they let Alex Caruso go because, and they let him walk, was because they couldn't afford to pay him the money that would have put them over the luxury tax $8 million. The exact same amount of dollars that they did not want to pay was the reason that they kept Alex Caruso away from the team and they let him go elsewhere. 
wild turn of events. Let's face it. The Lakers could use some Alex Crusoe right now. That would fix a lot of their problems. A disaster. But there's more to this story that you can add to the context that makes me even more concerned. This is what uh, The Athletic said about the Lakers' woes recently. When the Lakers were struggling in early December, this was supposed to be like an uplifting story, but it really is not. (laughs) When the Lakers were struggling in early December, injuries derailing what was supposed to have the potential to be a championship season behind James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. Pause. This article is trying to purport that injuries are the reason that they're not a contender. Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, Jeannie Buss, owner of the Lakers, consulted Magic Johnson about the direction of the franchise. Remember, the date of this, mid-December, right? I sat down with Magic, Buss told The Athletic, and I said, should I be concerned? What are you seeing? And he just talked about, you know, the injuries, and that the team hadn't had a chance to be together. (laughs) This is such a lie. You know, he's very calm and insightful, and I appreciate seeing the big picture instead of him reacting to every game. I mean, this is propaganda. Three weeks after this supposed meeting, right, mid-January, Magic Johnson tweeted this after they got mollywopped by the Nuggets. They lost by almost 40. We as at Lakers fans, he's, he's tagging these people in the Twitter. We as at Lakers fans can accept being outplayed, but we deserve more than a lack of effort and no sense of urgency. Owner at Genie Bus, you deserve better. Does she though? Does she? And then he says this, I sent that tweet out for a reason. It's a different standard when you put on the purple and gold, so those guys need to understand that, you know, not taking a shot at anybody, but that's unacceptable as a Laker to not give maximum effort. It's something that would have been unthinkable when I was playing. The main thing, the main thing is always about winning. I don't care about anything else. Okay, so after that meeting that she had with Magic Johnson when he basically, eh, don't worry, it's just injuries. Think big picture. They haven't had time to gel. And and then three weeks later, he basically says, you dog shit players won't even get up and play against the Jokic-led team. He has nobody else helping him. You guys got destroyed by 40 at Lakers, at Genie Bus. After that tweet, you have three weeks before the trade deadline. Three weeks. And Genie Bus felt comfortable with the direction of the franchise after she had that meeting, after she saw that tweet, she didn't come to Rob Polinka and say, yo, we got to figure some shit out. We got to make a move here. This team is trash. This team doesn't even try. I don't care what you need to do. Get John Wall. If you can't get John Wall, then we need to save some of my hard-earned, not really hard-earned, but taxpayer money that I'm paying out in luxury tax. At least save me some money. These guys are sitting on the end of the bench just doing whatever the fuck they want, getting DMP after DMP, get rid of them. Save me some money at least. No pressure put on the GM to make any changes at the deadline. And if she did pressure him and he didn't make changes, that's even worse. Are you kidding me? Dr. Buss must be rolling in his grave. Something is seriously wrong with the Lakers. 
and I suspect Genie Bus is a bigger issue than I might have ever anticipated. That's all the time that we have for the heat check. We'll be back early squirrely Wednesday with a new episode. Please do not forget to download, subscribe, and tell all your friends. And follow us on social at this heat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. Thank you so much for joining us. Staying alive was no job at second hands. Moms bounced on old men. So then we moved to shell and land. A young youth, you're rocking the goat tooth. Low goose, only way I begin the GO was drug Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.